This is Sid Haig for Nightmare Junkhead. Listen, or I'll come over there and put my boot all up in your ass. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that always includes horn filing when scheduling a spa day my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're raising a little hell as we rock out and talk neil marshall's hellboy but before we get into that let me remind you we're part of the boom howdy podcast network boom howdy you can find our past episodes at boomhowdy.com or the easiest way to listen in is to simply search for nightmare junket in your itunes or soundcloud app hit subscribe and when we drop our latest episode it'll download directly to your listening device of choice all up in your hellhole Seeing where you're going to go with that one. Again, so many varieties. Uh, don't forget, speaking of variety, uh, we are on various platforms on social media, mm-hmm. including on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. Taking care of all your hellacious needs. Yes. Whether it is otherworldly or, or thisworldly or, you know. Beyond. Or beyond. That's what we do. And on this particular episode, we've talked a bit about during the uh, the start of the year, our whole credo this year was to stay local and promote local, mm-hmm. whether that's podcast directors, writers, what have you. And when I realized that this movie was coming out, there was one particular person that I knew specifically. Not only would it be our chance to finally have them on, yeah. but I know this is also in their wheelhouse as well. So I was just like, oh, and then I'll be honest, this was originally a movie I didn't think we would actually have on the episode yeah, for the show, but I knew based on the guest, I was like, okay, we, we've got to go and see and talk this one. Right, right, right. So, so you can read our next uh, our next guest. You can read his work in such releases as in a new one coming out, uh, Revenge of Monsters from the Vault. I know it is available for pre-order. Uh, you can also see his collection of uh, Lovecraft-esque stories, uh, Gunol... Gu- Guignol. Guignol. Thank you. You're adding an element of class to the podcast as well. (laughs) Guignol and other sardonic tells. Please welcome to Nightmare Junkhead for the very first time. It's been a long time coming. Oren Gray. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for coming on, yeah, man. man. Like I said, there, I was very excited when I realized that kind of all the way everything was lining up, you know, the moons, just <laughs> it was perfect. So before we uh, raise a little hell, please tell our listeners, where can they find you out on the social media? Plug and promote away. I am on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as uh, Orin Gray. It's O-R-R-I-N-G-R-E-Y. Um, and that's pretty much it as far as social media. I've got a website at orangray.com and you can buy my books on Amazon or any place else you buy books pretty much. And I'm not going to lie. It took me a long time to figure out you weren't that little skeleton in your, in your avatar. <laughs> that's, that's kind of on purpose. It's, well, and it's just for the longest time we interacted a lot on social media and I'd always just like this orange gray person i'm i'm like in my mind of minds i'm like i know it's not a skeleton but damn it if i show up sometime what and I see, one of these days that little skeleton figure like hey i'm Orin. how's it going just this little, like, <laughs> everybody's like avatar those, like those little desktop robots it's yeah of, like, just like waddle the, up there and like, like shake your hand mm-hmm. <laughs> how's it going and but he's really animated but everything else is real and you're like what the fuck <laughs> is weird so i will say this there was an element of mystique then when i finally was like oh wait that's Orin. oh my god orin has been we'd probably met like several times before you yeah multiple times that that happens to lots of people. Well, and I realized <laughs> you've been go- coming, thankfully, to most of our um, nerdoweens. Everyone, actually, I think. So. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Unreal. So you know what to expect when you're on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Is there going to be any cussing? Is Genie's going to yell some horrendous shit? 
Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> um, so one of the questions we always ask any first time guest is, what was it that made you get into horror? You know, was it a movie? Was it a moment? But what was it that made you dip your toe in this horror pool? And you're like, ooh, I'm going to go ahead and dive on in. I, you know, I honestly can't remember like the, a specific first thing. I know, like I've been into horror since I was a little little kid, like way way too little to probably be watching most of the shit I was watching, honestly. <laughs> but like, I know when I was really young, um, there were two things. Uh, my light, my school library had these um, Crestwood House monster books. And they were these orange covers. Yes, with like they were of Dracula and Godzilla, uh-huh. and King Kong and shit. Yeah, and so like my my school library had a bunch of those, and I would check them all out. And they had these like black and white photos from you know mm-hmm. the, old, the old like Universal movies and, and Godzilla and stuff like that. And um, you know I would just page through those because I couldn't see those movies anywhere. Any you know when I was a little kid because we didn't have <laughs> streaming and shit then. You know it was it was video stores, and my video stores did not have stuff like that. <laughs> um, and so I'd like page through those and just like imagine what the movies must have been like. And I know that was that was like a big thing for me. And then uh, we got a channel. I think it was out of Chicago because I lived in like southern Kansas. Um, in this like small town, you know, we, we got like three channels or something, but one of the channels we got, um, showed monster movies on Saturday mornings. Like when normal kids would be watching cartoons, I'd be watching like squirm and like, <laughs> and, like fucking the food of the gods and, yes! and Willard and shit like that. And so like, that's those two things I think were like instrumental for me in turning me into the horrible nerd I am. No, that's no, I, all I can imagine is like just the, the, the little library checkout card, you know, in the back, it's just always nothing but yeah. your name mm-hmm. constantly checking it out. Yep. There were a series of books and they were very similar to that, but they were based on ghosts like the Loch Ness Monster, right. and do you remember I, those? I remember those yeah, too. Yeah, I remember yep, those too. Yep. But I remember the orange those, and the orange and white was, ones vividly. One, yeah, and then they, they made a purple series too that were smaller, and yeah. they, they were like for for like less well known movies so like the Mole People and like Tarantula and shit got purple cover ones. Wow, a different set. But. Well, the sci fi one was dope because I was actually looking through some old books and I found one of the sci fi ones, and it's got like. Sh- it's got like uh, the thing from another world and the mm-hmm. day the earth stood still and it's got all these like classic classic horror movies and just yeah. like black and white photos and even of ones that are should be in color black and white yeah. photos yeah. i think it went all the way up to bo- the invasion of the body snatcher 78 Really? Yeah. It might have. It might have. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember when they so came out. So at a young age, you could have been introduced to Donald Sutherland and that awful. <laughs> yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I saw that version before I saw the the 50 whatever version. He's I'm in pretty... Calling All Creeps too. Oh yeah. <laughs> he but he dies early on. He's right. he's someone's dad. Yeah. And he dies he's early the whole, on. Like, ah, the Janet Lee Drew Barrymore exactly. of the, uh, of the right. Calling All Creeps. Right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so it sounds like ultimately you kind of got a classical education, if you will. Through the books and then through that, just the the home the, and you know the, what you said was on was it sixty two, mm-hmm. channel sixty two used to have the channel sixty two um no channel five used to have Friday Fright Nights on okay, Friday fr- night and then channel sixty two and forty one sometimes would have well sixty two had Kung Fu Theater and then, <laughs> I'm getting real regional here and then forty one they would also sort source they would have cremation mortem at night. There we go. So like, yeah. But it's yeah. just, it's a steady diet of that. Yep. And that's, yep. like you said, it makes you the horror nerd that you are. But man, <coughs> dude, that's so lovely because you had a chance. We've talked about it. We're kind of the generation before the internet where we remember the mm-hmm. days of just, you. Where, where there weren't things streaming. Right. You had to be somewhat patient. Yeah. And you I mean, you watched whatever, and again, if you lived in a, it's, if you lived in a small yeah. town like me anyway, you watched whatever the shitty video store in your town had, which like my video store was in a, in a grocery store. It wasn't even an actual video store. Like at the grocery store had a video section. Yep. Yep. And so it was like whatever was in there, which, you know, there was like one wall, right? It was like 
I don't know, 40 titles or something. And that's that's the horror selection I had available to me. And so it was like Puppet Master movies and, you know, oh. any any Full Moon thing because I got all the Full Moon oh, yeah. So I watched yep. a ton of that Full Moon stuff, which I loved. Um, you know, but I mean, things like that. And that was all I had until I got into like high school. So so what was it that kind of led the transition then from horror into writing? I I always wanted to be a writer. Like I was literally uh, not quite as far back as I can remember pretty much. So I, my mom had this book, this... um. Uh, like school days book or something where you you posted like your class photo for every year and like your report cards and shit you know the, yes. a mom thing yes. you know, one of those yes and one of the things in it was you you put down what you wanted to be when you grew up and like after i think it was like third grade when mine switched to writer because before that it was like whatever i'd watched in a movie like recently so it was like an archaeologist when i'd watched indiana jones <laughs> or whatever you know but like i think in third grade it just started being writer and it was like writer from then on and I think it was just that I figured out that I could make stuff up and tell stories and like that that was a thing you were allowed to do and I couldn't draw for shit. So uh, write writer was the only one that I had available to me. And just so when I figured out that that was like a viable path in life, I was like, oh, I want to do that. Why would people do other things that isn't make weird shit up? So what do you remember? Did you start off with the macabre at all? Or, you know, I, I were, started, you, were you were you writing stuff that like the, they were sending notes home to the parents going, oh, my God, little right. ears, you know. Uh, fortunately, I didn't get too much of that, although every now and then I would get weird shit. Like, a, a teacher would just inexplicably take uh, umbrage at the weirdest thing. But for the most part, no, I didn't get much of that. But I, I did. So I, I when I was younger, I wrote kind of everything, which I think a lot of people do. And I, I used to be, like, really into fantasy stuff. And so I would, yes. you know, I was into Dungeons & Dragons, and I was into uh, Warhammer, which is like a tabletop. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know. <laughs> And, and stuff like that. And so a lot of the stuff I wrote when I was pretty young was that. And I got more and more into horror kind of as I went along. I mean, I always read a lot of horror, but like writing it, I think I got more focused on it as time went on. And actually like the, the sort of this is what I want to really focus on came when I started reading Hellboy actually. So we'll get... <laughs> really? We'll that, okay, yeah. perfect. Um, like when I when I started reading uh, the Hellboy comics, which was way back when there were only a few of them still, um, I just kind of saw that like this was a place where I could put like all the things I liked best in one sort of pot. And Mike Mignola was kind of doing that. And so I was like, okay, I can, I can do this, you know? <clears throat> so that was, that was kind of when I switched off all the other stuff. Also, I went to college and college <laughs> like required me to like change. You know, they, I had to write, uh, the kind of stuff that you have to write when you go to college and yeah. study Certainly. writing. You know, you had, I had to write like stories about like two people uh, having an argument while they cook spaghetti or something like, and that was, you know, it's stuff like that. And I mean, I'm glad that I did do that because it taught me stuff that I needed to know, but it was obnoxious. So, like, after I got out of that, I was like, I want to do what I want to do, and what I want to do is monsters and horror and things. So, evil spaghetti. Evil spaghetti. You know, like, yeah, they're still making spaghetti, but it turns into a monster and fucks them up. Would would you like? Are you enjoying your beschetti? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there are are elements. The sauce is prey gold ones. Uh. Too much. Oh, I that, don't know. That was kind that of a stretch. One. That was a stretch. Let's edit that one out. <laughs> so what was it that kind of transitioned you into the Lovecraftian-esque uh, themes that you write upon? I think it was just the, that that was kind of what I was drawn to when I watched Like, I I watch a lot of horror, and I like a lot of horror, and I read a lot of horror, but the stuff I really like is, like, the supernatural stuff and the, the weird stuff with, you know, with monsters and ghosts and... If it's just like a guy chopping some people up or whatever, like if it's a movie and it's good, then sure. But that's not like what I want to write. What I want to write is, is monsters and shit. Um, and, you know, that's that's where the monsters and shit are. And like, um, <laughs> even, on, honestly, even before I got into Lovecraft, I was really into Clive Barker. Okay. Um, who, you know, he's known for being like really gory and really like sexy, but he also like he writes this very like Lovecraftian kind of supernatural. The, the horror is very um, 
it's very like transcendental almost like it's 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 about like becoming something more than human it's about like these experiences changing you in these like fundamental sometimes physical ways and like stuff like that and that really stuck with me would you I say you're a uh, denizen of midian yes absolutely that's that's <laughs> all i mean there is something to be said about people that actually not necessarily identify with the monsters but actually have sympathy towards the monsters or at least mm-hmm. see them as monsters are in many ways they're always the other right and how many of us as horror fans grew up were kind of the other other. based on that so that was always kind of an attractive thing oh yeah and i can see that being comforting and just being kind of enveloped into it yeah honestly cabal like cabal may have been my first favorite book like because you know i read it it was i mean that was you know it's all the monsters the good guys and there's this you know this whole city of them and there's shit tons of monsters (laughs) crammed into this book and that you know yeah that was my whole jam (laughs) <laughs> trying to remember i think i read the bloodbound heart first but it was the one and i but it was the one that had that weird cover where all the skin people mm-hmm, formed the mm-hmm. face yep yep ah ah <laughs> still stays with me to this day i'm going to throw out an author that i really dug growing up because in my mid 20s i started reading so much more but there was a writer named Brian Lumley oh yeah the necroscope series yep. are you are you a fan yep. Yep. okay yep. have you heard of those yeah, oh yeah okay right oh yeah oh, yeah hey, there we yeah, go yeah, that, yeah that's a cool series man yeah, that's, that's and an that's awesome series one i'm surprised with has i had that we haven't seen translated into something on the big screen they, or they've, they've talked about it a bunch of times and it's always like crashed and burned like, really I don't know why but yeah it's, it's been talked about a bunch of different times and, and never has happened which is weird because it seems really cinematic like it it seems really i mean mm. you'd need a big budget to do it sure, right but beyond yeah, that sure. it seems really easy to translate into the like onto the screen and i know he's expanded beyond like he's continued to build that world yeah there's like yeah. 20 books oh my deep god there's now. so many yeah and like uh, uh, eventually like the main characters like kids take over and so I read I read for a long time but I didn't I didn't get through all of them because there's like there's like 20 yeah oh my god not even exaggerating there are literally like 20 of we them. always joke there's too much TV it turns there's out there's too, too much many. literature yeah yeah uh, um yeah Lumley like so Lumley has kind of a bad rap I think in like in like the weird fiction circles because he's very he's very pulp and so he's very like almost cheesy if you read a lot of his stuff i mean he's he's not he's not like a great stylist or anything he's a very like he's a very direct you know he's he's the i don't know the the friday the 13th to the someone else's haunting or whatever like he's he's not you know he's not he's not stylish he's not classic but he's 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 very pulpy and he writes great monsters and he's got um you know and he's got some great short stories actually um his short story collections are pretty good he's got like six of them i mean good god he's prodigious yeah yeah i mean yeah he he's kind of he's kind of this holdover so like he was at the tail end of when the pulp magazines were still sort of happening so mm-hmm. like he's after like Lieber and stuff but he's so he he kind of rode the wave from the pulps into this like you know the this post Stephen King like big thick hardcover yep. you know yeah. horror tomes thing and so he's kind of a little bit of both of those things but I, I like his stuff I just always have to throw that one out just because yeah. it's been a while since I've read it but I always remember just being just totally in love with it and always being kind of the whole vampire mythos yeah. and what they brought to yeah. it. I always thought that was interesting because he writes great monsters. He, yeah. he writes great monsters. And, and it's actually kind of germane to Hellboy. Cause I mean the, there's he, like a bureau for paranormal research and defense. Essentially it's called something different, but I mean, there's like a, a government agency that pull, that like investigates the paranormal in, in the necroscope books. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, so. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's the British intelligence, right? right yeah. Well, that's, well, this is the best segue then into the world of Hellboy, <laughs> the larger world. So you said Hellboy and Mike Mignola is largely responsible for your entrance into the larger world. Um, so, so it obviously initially was the comics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was, the comics are like this year it's 25 years that the comics have been around and I started when there was like two trades so close to 25 years ago I right. mean, not, I don't know how long exactly but um 
Because the first the first Del Toro movie didn't come out until 2004, so I'd already been reading for several years, like you know, half a decade or something by then, um, at least. But um, yeah, yeah, I got into the comics uh, back when there was only Hellboy. Like there were not the, all the spinoffs, the BPRD and the Lobster Johnson and all that stuff. Like there's, I have them all. So like at at my house, like there's this shelf that's just Mike Mignola stuff, and it's all the Hellboy comics, all the BPRD comics, all all of everything. How often do you revisit them? Uh, I mean, it, it depends. Like I've revisited the actual like ones that Mignola wrote and drew himself a bunch of times, and then like the spinoff stuff. It depends. It varies from one one thing to another. I mean, I've read them all through at least once, but most of them two or three times. It just depends. Um, sure. And I'll I'll go back to like specific scenes or whatever. You know, if I'm if I'm writing something that draws from it a little bit, or if I just want to read it again. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So when um, were you excited when you heard Del Toro was going to be doing Hellboy? Yeah, I was. I was for the like for the first for the first Hellboy movie. I was really excited when they announced Del Toro because I was familiar with his stuff. I'd seen um, like Chronos and Mimic yep. and uh, probably the Devil's Backbone. I think I had seen by then, and that's probably it. But I so I was like, like I knew and I knew he knew the material, which was something that you know I was concerned about because like sure. this, this was this was 2004 right this was back when comic book movies were bad <laughs> this as is, a rule yeah. like this was before Iron, this was four years before yep. iron man right so we, we had like blade and one or two x-men movies and that was like i mean that was like it really and yeah. all the other all the other comic book movies were mostly bad and so um i was concerned but when they like said it was del toro i was like oh he'll he'll like he'll probably do a good job you know and and i, I think the first one he did um, and that's I was gonna say. What was your? Because I know I've enjoyed both of the the, the Hellboy films. Um, I didn't have the baggage initially. I was aware of the character going in, but I didn't yeah. read any of comics. But it was through then watching those that I kind of reverse engineered and started reading all the trades. I, I think that was the case with a lot of people. Like, yep. I think the the first like the first Del Toro movie brought a lot more people to comics, which is when the comics started really exploding and there started being a bunch more titles. Is that when they kind of expanded? Yeah, yeah, it was around that same time, so. And I guess that, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalize on it. Well, it's so weird nowadays, just kind of the, the reverse engineering people mm-hmm. will do from the movies to the comments because there are so many more movies now. Right. Yeah, and like, well, again, you can't read them all. No. Right? You know? Yeah. Like, I wasn't, I was kind of aware of Hellboy, but when they were making the first movie when it came out, I went to go see it and I was like, this movie is fucking rad. Yeah. You know? It seemed like Perlman was just meant to be that like, yeah. it kind of was <laughs> but yeah. when you said we talked about the first one you're like yeah yeah and then the second one you're like well yeah not, so not as much it <laughs> not 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 uh, keen to the golden army not not as much so like <laughs> i love that that right? just that just oh. that, uh, <laughs> that defeated sigh um the, it's so like the golden army is like parts of a good movie but the parts of a good movie that it is are not a hellboy movie um, the, the, like it's it's parts of a good Prince Nuada movie that occasionally this guy named Hellboy stumbles into who isn't actually like Hellboy even in the Hellboy from the previous movie like the weird thing about Golden Army to me is that it's both a bad Hellboy movie and a bad sequel to the movie it's a sequel to because <laughs> all of the characters all of the characters feel like they have a different arc than they had in the first like Hellboy's arc in the first movie doesn't seem like it's, it happened in the second one he seems like he hasn't had he that arc has, yet yeah. mm-hmm. and like it, it feels like a movie from another dimension like a dimension where we had a different first Hellboy movie that I've never seen. Alternate Hellboy movie. <laughs> right. 
which technically you could probably you ultimately you could backtrack and say that was the intent all along. There we on, go. This is the Hellboy universe. We have multiple dimensions right. that we can tap into. <laughs> well, I I enjoyed both of them in the theater, um, and they were ones that I've always enjoyed kind of rewatching, just because ultimately, especially in the second one, I think he really got to let loose with the monsters a he little did. bit more. And it's gorgeous. Like it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks it looks fantastic. I mean, all the time. <laughs> so whether or not it's executed right. or not, but, but I mean, like you said, it's not. Uh, the feeling of Hellboy for you, right, you know yeah, what I'm saying, yeah. and I, I, I can see that because no matter how pretty something is, if it's based on something that you've already come to know and love, and it's just not what, not not necessarily what you expected or what you wanted, but if it doesn't have that like voice, yeah. right, yeah, that just, you that you associate with the character, it's just like kind of a bummer, you know what yeah. I'm saying, and that's why I think people get really burned on like comic book movies in general, you know, because they have a certain like. Yeah, way they're, their they're actors really are to yeah. yeah yeah so i can see what you're saying where hellboy 2 kind of fell flat it did look fucking gorgeous it though great. it was man, cool it was cram full of monsters I yeah mean, big ones little right? ones yeah. all sorts of ones like, like monsters per frame there are a few <laughs> movies that have more so yeah, it's, what's the, the mpf on this, right. Uh, right. this movie here actually oh that's what you should do actually on your reviews at this point Just is do you, an mpf oh my mm-hmm. god like most movies would not have very be, high like negative ones <laughs> it's like really there's nothing no monsters not even emotional monsters come on now if uh, you can't even get a good man as monster then you right, know right. you're really skimming the till here well then ultimately i'm curious what was your reaction when you found out that they were going to go ahead and reboot it going and going completely in a different direction i, mean, I I thought that I mean I thought it was the right way to go. Like I felt like and and I know a, I have the the I'm at the position where I've I've actually known Mike Mignola um not well we've met in person a few times but we're friends on Facebook we talk every now and then and so I know a little bit about what went on behind the scenes somewhat. Yeah. So I know for example that there was never going to be a third one. Like the the just the logistics were never there um and. You know, if, if there was going to be, it would have been within a few years of the second one. And when that didn't happen, it, just, it was never going to happen. And so, like, a lot of people, when they announced it, they were, like, they were they were betrayed that there wasn't, you know, the trilogy didn't get to be finished or whatever. But I knew it never was, and so I never had that feeling, even if I hadn't been kind of upset about the second one. <laughs> right, right. Um, but also, like, um, you know, so I, I think that if they were going to do it, rebooting it was right. the way to go. And, um, you know, I knew that, like, when they started doing the reboot, I knew that Mike was more... I don't know. I don't want to say more involved, but I knew that they were sticking closer to the comics than they Since had with the previous movies. Like even the first Hellboy is, I think it's pretty true to the spirit of the comics, but like the letter, it plays pretty fast and loose in a lot of ways. And so I, I knew they were kind of trying to stick closer. Um, and so I, I, you know, I was excited about that. Um, I know I'm cause I'm, I'm of mixed emotions. Cause like I said, I really enjoyed the first two. So when given that kind of a, a like a gap in the movie, yeah, I think that's right. probably the best thing to do just to go ahead and find a newer audience mm-hmm. right. in the most part. So I'm this is film when I started hearing the pedigree behind it, because, you know, you're starting to put it together. First thing comes out, you know, we find out that David Harbour is playing. Right. And so Ron Perlman's not coming back. Right. And I know that did upset quite a few people. Yeah. That upset a lot of people. A lot of people are like, man, that's some bullshit. You know, hashtag not my Hellboy. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but at the same time, then pictures of him in full getup came out, and I was like, "Well, he looks pretty fucking cool." I don't know. I, th- I always thought a lot of people said they didn't like the way the face looked. Yeah, a lot of people had a problem with. I, I'm not a huge fan of the, the makeup they did on the face, honestly. But that's. You know, I think there were some times. I think it was just the way it was shot. Because there were sometimes in the flick, I was like, "Oh, that looks pretty good." Yeah. And then there are other times you're like, "Ooh." It was First just, one or second one? I mean, new one. The new, new one. one. Yeah. I'm honestly like, I'm so like. 
it, it is true to the comics, but at the same time, I'm a little bummed that he, like, got really ripped because I feel like the way he looked in, like, Stranger Things, like, the kind of dad bod, yeah. David Harbour, like, in the, that's not what Hellboy looks like, but it, it's what he feels <laughs> like. Like, he, he feels like this kind of, like, dissolute, like, tired guy, you know? And so, like, mm-hmm. I, I was kind of sad that he was, like, ripped because I feel like if they just painted David Harbour in Stranger Things red, they'd have, like, nailed him, actually. <laughs> I'm, I could go yeah. with that, actually. Um, just kind of surly and like... Ch- uh, a lot of chussel. Also, like, yeah. one, of the, one of the things that... John that, Saxon from Hell. Yeah. One of the things that <laughs> neither neither of the, the two like movie continuities have done is... It's like Hellboy... The new one tried it a little bit, but but they didn't they didn't stick it, for for me at least. Is like Hellboy is, like, in the comics, he's a character who has been an adult since like 1950, right? So the guy's been doing this for 50 years or more. And so he he has the attitude of like someone's dad who has been a paranormal investigator for fifty right. years. Like he's 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 this kind of like grizzled uncle, right? You know, who hunts ghosts <laughs> and drinks a lot, and like and in the, the the movies always make him feel young. Yeah. And he's like the, again, this one tried to give him that history, but he doesn't feel like he has it. Like he feels like a young guy who's yeah. doing this. He doesn't feel like a guy who like served in World War Two practically. Right. Right, I mean, not quite, but pretty close. Sure, I mean, you know, and so oh, like, yeah. that, that does make sense. And I, I, I don't know if they're doing that just to appeal to a younger crowd potentially. I, I, I think it's part. Do I they... think it's probably that he's actually kind of probably hard to write because a lot of people who, when like people who aren't Mignola write him, a lot of people tend to skew him and make him feel younger. They don't make him feel as world weary as Mignola does. I don't know. This one, he made me seem kind of like like for what you're saying to me, that makes sense of him being older and like kind of like. Grr. Because this one, he's, he just seemed to fight with his dad a lot. Right. And it made him, like, really whiny, like, almost like a teen. Like right. a petulant teen. Petulant, like, yeah. like, like, oh, you don't know, right? You're not my real dad, you know? And I think he even made that joke once, you know? Yeah. And it was just like, okay, that's cool, but, like, you're hell boy, not, like, hell teen. Right. You know? Right. And, yeah, the 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 relationship, the thing they did with Broom in, in the new movie was really weird for me too because he it's like the relationship between him and Hellboy actually works pretty well like they have a good chemistry and mm-hmm. everything but it's really different from the comics like Broom is not like that in the comics like the Broom in the comics I'm pretty sure would never say fuck like Very I, I, have a, I have a great deal of difficulty imagining Trevor Broom saying like grow a pair or something like that's you know but unfortunately when you hire Ian McShane right. oh like, yeah you're gonna just, get I, I feel like I feel like at one point they had a draft of the script where it was like the John Hurt you know the, the one from the first movie like the, the proper John right. Hurt and they hired Ian McShane I'm like well, you're gonna, he's gonna have to say fuck like 16 times it's, it's literally in his contract <laughs> They just have little red arrows where you can just add a fucker <laughs> or like shit or cocksucker, right? right. There, that's perfect. I'm gonna need you to. I'm, I'm gonna need to call Hellboy a cocksucker. It's, just, scene. It's, it's, it's. I'm sorry, I can't do the scene without it. It's not, not that I don't want to. It's, it's just it's, it's there. Contractually obliged. You know, just like <laughs> that was a pretty good Ian McShane, man. I didn't know you had that in the repertoire. Well, then, uh, kind of putting together the rest of the cast, but then when they announced that Neil Marshall was directing it. That one also perked me up a little bit more. Me too, because Neil Marshall's dope. Like I'm, I'm a Neil Marshall fan. Fucking uh, his sh- movie. I mean, his Game of Thrones episodes were real, real really dope. Good. Doomsday was slick. Doomsday <laughs> was super slick. I'll go to bat for that movie. Just wait out until the month of May when we're wandering the wasteland. We might come stumble upon Doomsday mm-hmm. again. Well, interesting. Neil keep, Marshall. Keep an eye out. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, a, it's a good thing. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> we he's got kind of the uh, the trifecta of D movies. He's got Doomsday, mm-hmm. Dog Soldiers, 
Mm. And then, of course, what many people consider his masterpiece, The Descent. Yes. Which, yeah. and again, with that pedigree, I'm looking at this going, okay, he's going to make a Hellboy film? Let's do this. And he's yeah. down with monsters. Yes. Right. Yeah, and, uh, and like... I remember, so I remember when he got announced, and like Mike was actually excited about it too. Like Mike liked the descent a lot. And, oh, okay. Um, That's and like having seen this, like I was like, oh yeah, like, like the descent looks a lot like a Hellboy comic in some places because like the way he like, uses the light and the dark and everything, it's like there's a lot of like really stark contrast and really deep black shadows and stuff in the comics. And so like yeah, that that could totally work. The new one does not look as much like that as you know the descent did, but you know. Right. I still think he should direct a Conan movie. Like having seen Descent, he would make a really fucking good Conan movie. What, what's the uh, like a super good Conan movie? The fight, uh, Centurion. 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 Centurion yes. was slick. Yeah, that's that movie was badass. I know I've seen it, and I honestly can't remember. <laughs> it's no, but uh, that totally makes sense. I would. I think the shit out of a Neil Marshall right. yeah. Conan flick. And Neil, Neil yeah, a good Conan sword and flick. sorcery. Yeah, with Neil Marshall, that'd be super Cause be bad. Because well, like, we got a little bit yeah, of it right. in this one, but well, not enough to really like. Well, like that scene in the descent when she's like climbing up the like pile of bones and that's like the red lit <coughs> cavern and she's like yeah. torturing. I mean, that's that's totally a fucking Conan scene, right? Like, a sword there. Frank Frazetta could paint that. Come. <laughs> and I I don't think the descent gets enough love. No, because that is truly even without the monsters is one oh, yeah. of the most terrifying films I have ever seen. And I loved. Uh, I remember like. It was one of those movies where I, I will never forget watching the behind the scenes stuff for it because like learning that they filmed most of that with like the same like six rocks that they would just move around basically. Like most of those cave sets are built. Right. And right. they're built with like the same few pieces and they just <sighs> move them to make a new room. Did he just have like the most brilliant theater tech person guess, come in like, and just like, like on one of the on one of the releases you can watch a back behind the scenes and you can see them like move the pieces <sighs> and they'll just move the room around and it's like what this is this is some like Mario Bava stuff this... like we filmed this whole thing on a stage with like three rocks and a plastic spaceship. <laughs> and, and, and and the descent. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't realize that at all. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's the same few set pieces, and they just move them, and they, like they use different colored lights and stuff to make them look different. Yeah, but yeah. It's just the same few pieces of, of hmm. scenery. See now, oh, I hope I don't watch rewatch that now, and I'm looking for like the seams. I'm like, there it is. I don't think it'll happen. I'll still be looking between my eyes throughout the entirety of the film. So all of those things come into play, and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for this Hellboy yeah. film. Saw the trail, the first trailer looked pretty good, looked fun. And, but then I started hearing things, you know, advanced reviews, yeah. which let's face and, you know, it's a, it's a monster movie. So right. the general public probably aren't going to like it for the most part. Right. So you can usually discount a lot of those. But then certain people that I know and respect <laughs> their views started like, eh, you know, it's <laughs> not the greatest, but this and that. But I'm so that being said, what was your initial thought then or on the new Hellboy? So. Like, my reaction to it is really hard for me even <laughs> to parse, because, like, the problem with it is is also the good thing about it, is that, like, it's really close to the comics in a lot of ways, which seems great on paper, um, but it's also really different from the comics, and sometimes the same scene that is both really similar will also be really different, and so I just spent the entire time going, like, this is really weird, it doesn't, like, it felt off all the time, and so I couldn't, I couldn't, like turn that off and just yeah. watch it like a movie. I kept thinking like the scene like on paper is identical to the scene in the comic, but the tone is completely different somehow. Mm. And it would just like, it kept just like completely like, pulling. Like, so I, like every time someone would ask me afterward, if I liked it or not, I'd be like, ah. <laughs> 
I just make this kind of wounded noise and <laughs> try to change the subjects. I was like, I don't actually honestly don't know. Like it was so familiar and yet so different that it just was like this weird kind of uncomfortable deja vu. Huh. Were you getting like just like weird tonal whiplash goes yeah, going basically. back and forth like yeah, that? Yeah, like because I couldn't like the scenes weren't different enough for me to separate them. And so, like, I'd watch it, I'd be like, this is so similar, but it feels so different. And it would just, I just would, like, kind of be frozen. It was this, like, critical paralysis where I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't, like, process the movie. I was just like, it was just weird. It was just weird. Weird is actually a pretty good descriptor <laughs> yeah. for the most part. Genius, what was your initial? I dug it. I'm not even going to lie. I, did I think it was the greatest movie ever? Hell no. <laughs> did I think it was a decent, serviceable movie? Did I have fun? Oh, absolutely. I went in with no expectations at all, okay. even even hearing all this hate that everybody just, you know. And when I, whenever I hear a lot of that hate, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go see it regardless, you know, because I want to go see a Hellboy movie. Yeah, right? Of I'm course, gonna, of course. And so I'm going to go see it, and I went in with no expectations. Of course, I had the baggage of a really digging the first two, especially right. the first one. And Ron Perlman coming in, but I thought it was a good movie. It doesn't deserve all the like this movie's fucking terrible and blah blah blah. A lot of the hyperbole that you get with yeah. a lot of that, like especially clickbait articles and shit, mm-hmm. doesn't deserve that in the slightest to me. But at the same time, yeah, I'll wait. I'll watch it again, but when it's for free, you know. <laughs> so like, if it comes out on Netflix, I think it's just to me, it's it's a it's a fun mess. Yeah. But it is truly it's a, a mess. mess. It is absolutely a it's mess. It's a mess. I mean, that is yeah. that is the safest thing to call it. Like, and my first, I think even the people who love it like think it's a mess. The mess. Like, yeah. And the first time I saw it, my theater, what happened about probably two thirds of the way, all of a sudden the vi- the uh, the video went out, and then about thirty seconds later the audio went out. And this is embarrassing to admit, but I didn't wait for it to come back on because I was just like, I think I'm good right now. And it wasn't until I hosted a screening of a flick at the, our local Alamo that I went and caught the last part of the film that I finally, because I just needed to see what I missed. And even right. then I'm like, man, how did y'all take kickstart my heart and make it just like, oh man, really? Come on guys. Like what, what's going on here? I it's There are parts of it I really thought were inspired. Just there's yeah, some yeah. really cool monster gnarly just yeah. weird ideas coming into play the baba yaga was rad the, the baba, baba yaga, yaga was, was freaky rad. as shit i mean it, first of all how many times do you see aside from john wick how many baba yagas do you see on film right even with the chicken leg house that yeah, the chicken leg house was amazing like i was when when they were first releasing like the trailer and you saw the chicken leg house the trailer like everyone i, I follow like a, a hellboy like fan group on Facebook and like everyone was like holy freeze framing the, the chicken leg house and we were like holy shit because we never thought we'd see it you know they see a chicken leg house in a movie that was right and that that's the amazing Isn't... thing about the movies is like it's crammed full of stuff that I never thought I would see in a movie that's what I want to know what came from like the comics was in there what for you stood out and you're like that's cool that's cool I mean so like the the opening with Kamazots was from the comic more okay. or less okay um, so that so he has ties within Excalibur and King Arthur and all that um so the, that that scene is from a different story arc in okay. the comics but so like in in the in the comics that chunk um so that there's a there's a moment in like 1956 I think Hellboy goes to Mexico and he makes friends with some lucadors and they fight vampires and so, one of them turns into a vampire and he has to kill him and I mean it's, it's, it's the same arc as the beginning but it's instead of an agent it's this lucador he meets in Mexico I dug the shit out of that part that, that was, was great a, that right? was a rad scene that first of all anytime you can have luchadors yeah, it's awesome right. I'm down with luchadors from get the second I'll turn them turning into cool looking vampires i mean it was a cool because it was very bat like yeah and how come we never got a santo and blue demon with hellboy right Right? that would oh damn it 
Because that seems like that would fit within that world. So that did come from a comic. That did then. from the com- that Part. came from the comic, and that was um, pretty rad. Mm-hmm. And mo- most of the like main plot is from the comics. Like the Excalibur stuff is absolutely from the comic. Uh, all the Nimue, the Blood Queen stuff okay, is the, from the comic. Uh, her origin's a little different in the comic. Um, like King Arthur's not directly involved with her, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like it, it's much longer and more complicated because it took like 15 years to build in the comic, whereas you know the movie crammed it all into of course, two hours because it had to. Right. Um, but yeah, so like uh, all that stuff's from the comic. The the Bobby Yaga, the Chicken Leg House, the deal with Hellboy's Eye, that's from the comic. Um and honestly pretty much everything in the movie is from the comic except Broom is really different Daimyo wasn't around for this part like okay. the, the character of Daimyo is from the comic but he's not in this storyline he's in a different storyline and um, the character of Alice is very different in the comics like she's, okay. she's not a clairvoyant or anything she's just she her origin is the same like she's a, a baby that Hellboy saved from fairies who grew up um, except in the comic, he didn't like 1964 instead of the 90s, but whatever. Sure. Um, but uh, but like she doesn't have any any special powers or anything. She's like, not she's yakking not, up ghosts, right? She's not yakking up ghosts or anything. Which is gross other, as shit. Other people do that, that was, in the comics. But that was her. gross as shit, man. I was like, when that moment happened, yeah, I'm, that'd be a yeah. double feature with fucking poltergeist too. Yes, yep. Because that's what I was thinking. Like, Bleh. God is in his holy. T- <laughs> Fuck all that noise. <laughs> If you're gonna yak up somebody, don't yuck up that fucking cretin. That's yeah, that's not the uh, the chorus we want to hear on that. Uh, Mila Jovovich actually in this film, lover, lover. Yeah. Welcome Still. back, Mila Jovovich. When she first came, I'm like, oh, it's Mila Jovovich, because I didn't realize she was in the movie. And then I love, love me some Mila Jovovich. Yeah. So. Uh, when, they, when they cast her, I was I was actually really happy because it seemed like a part she'd be really like enjoy playing. Because mm-hmm. one of the things I like about about her is that she always seems like she's having fun. fun. Like yeah, and. Um, I didn't. I didn't actually think she was as good as Nimue as I was expecting her to be. Yeah, like, because because the part seems really suited to her, and she just sort of seemed to underplay it somewhat in the movie. Actually, she's a little dry. Yeah. But like when she's trying to sed- when she's like looking like seducingly a Hellboy, I was like okay. <laughs> and then like because like whatever, it's Mila Jovovich. Not right? a deal breaker. Not a deal breaker at all. Breaker. I would totally be part of the Blood Queen. Like yeah, okay, cool, do this. You know what I'm saying? But like at the same time, yeah, I w- I would like to see her like kind of chew up the scenery a bit more right yeah. you know just really fucking sink her teeth into it yeah. but it wasn't i mean i will say the bits and pieces when they were putting her together and she's got the little thing with the severed arm and the remote made me laugh and that's the thing there's like i said there's bits and pieces of this movie that i really enjoyed that i yeah. had a good time with i'd like the giant fight okay that one to me the giant fight and the cgi in it you know it was listen, it was goofy it, was, it wasn't goofy. it was it wasn't a, it wasn't the best cgi which was weird because the whole fucking movie cgi yeah. a lot of it is yeah. and so like you have that one part just stuck out like a sore thumb like that's not that great compared to a lot of all the other even the goofy blood yeah right? although i will say that particular scene i enjoyed it because it actually looked like they kind of planned it and there was like a choreography to it. There was right. uh, there was almost a narrative to the battle that it made. I was storyboarded, mm-hmm. I think, <laughs> versus everything else that just seems so scattershot. Yeah. And I don't. I know I'm going to sound old with like the editing and everything, but it's just I just it just yeah. seemed to be just so high. It was like it felt the Tony Scott. Up, yeah. Yeah. Um. So the the giant fight is actually like is in my opinion probably the best example of a scene that is in the comic almost exactly like that, but is completely different at the same time. So the giant fight happens almost exactly like it happens in the movie. There's more giants. But beyond that, it's, like, identical as far as what actually happens. Uh, You know, the Wild Hunt stabs Hellboy. They say the same lines. Like, word for word, the lines are the same. Everything happens the same. 
the giant fight happens, and in the movie, the giant fight is like the centerpiece, like action set piece, right? And it's it's played for laughs, it's mm-hmm. fun, and it's goofy, and it's gory, and they have like the bad breath joke and everything, right? In the comics, it is the turning point when Hellboy realizes he cannot be the thing that everyone wants him to be. It is it is a thing that is so horrifying and traumatic to him that you don't even see it all in the comic. You see it broken up into chunks across multiple issues because he can't process it all at once and he won't talk about it with anyone. He won't tell anyone what happened because he butchers them. Like in the comics, he does not fight the giants. He slaughters them. And like he grows the horns out and he has the crown and you see him. There's a there's one image, like this full page image of him crouched atop this pile of dead giants and he's crouched like an animal and the horns are there and the crown's above his head and it's all red. Like the whole panel is just red. And like... It's the same, the same, the same thing happens, but the tone is just completely different. And like, I'm not even, I'm not even arguing that like either one of them is wrong. Right. It was just weird to have them like right there next to each other in my brain. And especially, yeah, when you're so intimately familiar with those stories and when you get a little taste of that, you're like, ah, and like, and like dialogue would be like the, 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 the line when they stab him and say the devil will never sit on the throne of England. Like that's Mm -hmm. direct from the comics. Uh, the blood Queens, like, uh, I want armies that have gnawed on dried bones. Like give me an army like that. Mm -hmm. Like that line's direct from the comics. So many of the lines are lifted word for word. And so like it would, it would be so close and yet so different. And it was just weird. (laughs) See, and that's the biggest bummer for me to be that kind of into the anticipation, the excitement, and then just have the rug pulled out from me like that. And like I said, it's just so tonally all over the place. I, yeah. I humor-wise, did it work for you guys? Some of it did. Some of it I thought was corny as shit. But yeah. some of it, I'm like that. I mean, I've made corny jokes in the hell earlier <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> I really, stri- the, yeah, right? the hell you say, right? <laughs> uh, uh, uh. I mean, hell, early on this episode, I like reached for the stars and <laughs> fell on my ass, right? But I felt they did on that too. Some of the things yeah. I was like, that's. Dumb. I mean, eye-rollingly dumb. But yeah. there was some parts where I was like, that's genuinely funny. Yeah. I like, had some like belly laughs. And I had some good shocks, too. Like, for example, I didn't realize how fucking bloody this movie was going to yeah. be until yeah. it went yeah. in there. I mean, like... It's, they lean hard into that arm. Yeah, they yeah. do. Like, and even when you see, like, the, in the Baba Yaga scene, like, all these dead all the, children. Oh, yeah. Like the hanging court, yeah. And they show it. They show, like, these dead children, and you're, like, getting eyeballs and fucking hands in the soup and shit. Man, it's, I was like, I was like, bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Well, yeah. I, again, this is a... For going old, there. It's a it's an R-rated... You mentioned before, Genius, that maybe the reason it didn't work for some people as well. You said it's not so much a Hellboy film. It was a Neil Gaiman movie. Or I mean, Neil, 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 Neil Marshall movie. Yeah. 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 It was Neil Marshall. It was violent. It was gory. It was funny. You know, even during action set pieces, like even in Dog Soldiers, there's some funny moments yeah, in there. Yeah. So it was more like like that. I, I, I it felt like I don't know. I'm not as well versed in the Hellboy lore as you are, but I didn't feel like I felt like it could be anybody. Yeah, well, and to a large extent. I mean, yeah, I think you're right. And 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 like you said, like they, they changed like the, the way he interacts with, with Broom is completely different. I mean, in the comics, Broom dies way earlier than in this, so he's long dead by the time this storyline takes place. Yeah. Um, but when they show their interactions, they're completely different from this, and so it, it, little things like you know him being mad at his dad or whatever, like that's very different. And so, like, yeah, that could be any that could be kind of any character, like it yeah, feels like a, like a Chris Pratt character or something, like right, like <laughs> that's I can know. see that um, sadly, and, and you know, and I mean, not not even to knock that kind of character, it's just no. it's just different, and yeah, you know, it's it's. Yeah, it could be anybody. Yeah, it I just get that. didn't seem like, you know, the problems specifically were for Hellboy in his world. It could have been right. like, you know, super powered, like 
just some hulking paranormal investigator. Right. An R.I.P.D. like yeah, sequel right. somehow yeah. or another. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And I also had a problem with the pig boss. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like I'm thinking for a number two, have something a bit more like gnarly. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I thought he was kind of gnarly. I don't know. Not until he became all big and swollen. Yeah. You know, then he was yeah. cool. But until then, if you pour, if you put a mohawk on him and sunglasses, you got bebop. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I want a little bit more from a number two, especially <laughs> if he's, like, ripping out people's thoraxes and making them talk. That was a cool scene, though, when he sure. took out that Abby. That was good. That, that was, was good. That is not from the comics. That's not- <laughs> <laughs> we'll call that a Neil Marshall original there. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, I just thought I just wanted a little yeah. bit something the, a bit. The pig guy is from the comics, but that scene is not. The pig guy is in the comics. He has a different. Uh, he, he is the he is Nimue's number two, um, but he has a very different arc. Like, he ends up differently than he does. A different a different character replaces him as the sort of main boss okay. character, and, and Grugak has a different arc where he does other things that would take a long time to explain it all. But So um, did the dynamic of everyone in the cast and the chemistry work for you guys? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes it did, especially between him and the agent that mm-hmm. turns into a were-leper. Yeah, Daimyo, yes. Yeah, I like some of that. Some of it, I'm like, come on, dude, you're on the same side fucking... I wanted to like tell Hellboy like you know fucking man up, and then I wanted to tell Diet to like fucking calm down, and then the, the dynamic between him and the girl that was hit or miss. And sometimes yeah. you know it seemed like she like he didn't want her, but she was like at the same time she's like I'm going anyway, so whatever it's... you know. She was too precarious, but like at times she was too like she was too timid at times, and then too precarious at times. So it was kind of like yeah. I don't know where you're at. And I initially, when they said Alice and the Jabberwock and all this, I thought it was like, oh, that's this is Alice from Alice in Wonderland, right? But then it technically wasn't. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I guess that's okay. It was more Resident Evil Alice. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, that's, it really was, actually. No, and that was the other thing, too, just the interactions. I didn't have as much fun with them as I did, actually, the gang in the first two films. Yeah. And then ultimately, at the very end, a teaser, you know, the, the stinger there, we get technically Abe showing up mm-hmm. at the very yep. end, yep. if, you, if yeah. anyone stuck yep. around for that, which... I don't think we're probably going to get oh, no. another oh, no. film no, where we get so. the, no, to see that happen. So. Do you I, think... Unless this thing has a crazy life on DVD or something, which right. I don't foresee. It's going to be big in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think then the, the film could have benefited from having an Abe Sapien in the film? I, I don't know, honestly. I The film was such a schizophrenic film. Like yeah. It was such a weird... I, I honestly don't know what would have helped because I, I don't, I just don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Like, I don't think it would, I don't think it went completely wrong. I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as its reputation. Right. Um, but at the same time, I don't know what would have made it better because it's so chopped up and weird feeling that I'm not sure how to solve it. Like I, it's not, it's not like uh you know, it's not like a movie where there's this obvious, like if you had just changed this, it would solve it. Sure. Like, uh, like I feel like the Tom Cruise mummy actually has, weirdly enough. I think really? if you just changed his love interest to his sister, you solve like 30% of the movie's problems. <laughs> um, Here's what got me. I should have been way more excited at the mountain of monsters that I got the, than I was. So, uh, so that's the other thing. Like, you barely get them, though, yeah. is the yeah. thing. Like, I think if you had Del Toro's style right. with um marshall's violence if you would have like put those two together <laughs> you would have the perfect hellboy movie and, and i feel like so i i feel the storyline they picked is a really weird storyline to have picked because it's literally the end like it's it's the the basically the last the f- hellboy story it is, it really? is nearly the end of the world really okay at that point okay um, they, they 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 pull back at the end of the movie, but like the the, the thing with him, you know, fighting Excalibur, and that that is literally the last things that happened before he dies and goes to hell, 
and then has a storyline in hell and then and then literally the world ends like not spoilers but yeah, li- yeah. literally i mean minuel has been saying it's gonna happen forever so it's not particularly spoilery but you know like the the hellboy story actually ends with the end of the world which is not long after the events in this movie and it's like picking that as your new launch point was an odd yeah, choice that does yeah. seem... and it was ambitious but also kind of like set them up for some problems from the get-go i think so you can get bigger because right. if you have a sequel you need a bigger and, bad and yeah. as big as the movie is i don't think it was actually i don't think it actually had the budget to do the storyline it was trying to do because you like you you introduce right. the mua's army and then it just vanishes they're gone. yeah they show up and then they're just gone yeah they get run off for like and you would think like a whole tower a whole mountain of monsters would look would doper be, right there'd yeah. be like doper monsters and i think right. that's why you think that's why I think you need Del Toro style. Right. And you get like some, some like Wayne Barlow demons at the end that are not from the comics at all, but like are very cool looking, but they, again, they show up at the very end, right? They show up at the very end. They kill Mm. some people on the street and no one fights them or anything. They just disappear after Hellboy fights Nimue. And that's like, nothing feels as big as it's, as it's trying to be. It it feels like it's this very big story that they only have like 60% of the budget for. And so they just sort of skip off over a lot of stuff. Those monsters at the very end, when they were coming out of hell, those were, Dope. They're amazing. Yeah. I mean, looking. those are dope monsters. But I think it would have worked better, like you said, if they would have just scaled it back. If it would have yeah. been like the Young Hellboy Adventures or something, right. where like, yeah, those are the monsters that he's trying to fight instead of like some Blood Queen that's trying to destroy right. the whole world. Like, Make I... it a smaller, more intimate like Hellboy adventure, and then you could put, then you can showcase some fucking dope ass shit. Yeah. Right. And also one of the one of the great things about the comics is that the comics have this big overarching plot, but they also have a bunch of short story that happen that are like separate. I mean, they, you know, they, they take place in the same world and everything, but they, they don't, they don't tie into the big overarching plot. And every time they make a movie, they always tie it into this big overarching plot. Right. And I, like, I really would love to see them make a Hellboy movie that is small. Like, it's just it's just Hellboy and like one other agent, and they go investigate like a haunted house or something. That, and there's like a monster at the end, and that's it. There are no world changing stakes. They're like investigating this one haunting or whatever, and that's it. See, and I think it would because make, the comics have tons of those stories. I think this this whole world would lend itself good as like a series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just you could do a monster of the week, right. something along those lines, yeah. where Hellboy and his crew get into shenanigans, and that's the thing. Ultimately, these movies should be fun because, right. I mean, Hellboy, I know there's a lot of existential stuff right. that goes along with it, just given his inner nature and yeah. fighting against that. But a lot of the times it's just fun, right. you know, fun filmmaking. Yeah. yeah. And this one, it just, there were fun parts, but. See, yeah. it was better when he was drunk and pissed off and surly than uh, than when he was like battling his literal inner yeah, demons. demons. I want right. to see Hellboy fight outer demons, not inner <laughs> demons. You know what I'm saying? He's fucking Hellboy. Right. We can we can That's... get to the we can get to the inner demons later. Like let's get let's get a solid movie where we fight outer demons yes. first. Right. Because this is a visual medium. We right. need that kind. Of, yeah. That's funny that you yeah. put that on the DVD cover there or DVD cover, Blu-ray cover. Jesus, maybe a laser disc if we're right. lucky. <laughs> Betamax. Bootleg if we're. Uh... So that being said, or what? I know we're not going to hold out hope for another for a sequel by any means, but at this point, you know. Will they eventually try to reboot it again? What's maybe in know, another fifteen years? Right. I, mean, <laughs> it's, this, I hope so. I hope. And yeah. I hope it's. I hope it's not even fifteen years from now. I hope it's like three years from now. I hope they do the Hellboy Adventures. Yeah. I hope they do on a smaller scale. Actually, I do like the idea of a young Hellboy. Did they ever explore that at yeah. all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, there's there's a bunch of like the comics moved forward from the first the, the seed of destruction the first hellboy miniseries and they move forward in time but they've also moved backward in time so there's comics from like the 40s right. and the 50s 
and all the way up, you know, they're, they're still working through those actually. And so even though the, the main arc literally just ended, so like the, the main arc of the BPRD ran past Hellboy and it just ended. Like the last issue came out the same week that the movie came out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like moving forward in time, it's mostly done, but moving backward in time, they've still got a bunch of stuff. So like Hellboy and the BPRD, which is set in the fifties is still going and they're, they're doing like one, uh, each trade is one year, so I think they're up to like 50, 55 or 56 or something oh, wow. now. So, well, that's cool. Have they ever played in any kind of like a noir-ish kind of tale? Because I almost think like I could see... Hellboy Noir? Yes. I mean, That'd be rad. I could the, totally so see that. The Lobster Johnson character got... The Thomas got own, Hayden Church. Yes, which, he, he, got, he has his own spinoff series as well. It's like five trades deep or something, and it's oh, very noir-ish. Okay, because that's that was, crazy, because I was like, wait, wait, yeah. wait, that, that's Lowell. That's fucking Lowell. That's Thomas <laughs> Hayden Church. And I'm like, yeah, so... And that's another one that threw me off, and I'm like, that has to be something from the comic. Yeah. yeah. Like something yeah. that absurd and wonderful though that's yeah. why i was like i like lobster that. johnson nazi hunter yes yeah. and, he's and like and like people love him he's like a he's a beloved character in the comics what, so. how was it so were you it was happy exciting see, okay. it was cool to see him on screen it was cool it was cool to see him on screen and, and it was i think it was good casting um like i feel like again i feel like a, like like a lot of things it doesn't quite nail what i imagined as the character but i mean that's that's me bringing 20 years of baggage mm-hmm. to this. I mean, that's 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 bound to happen, but it was great to see him on screen. It was a lot of fun. Again, and then even seeing then the the origin again, when we right. even got to see the crazy Nazi dude that's all... With the with the two-colored yeah. lenses, which is direct out of the comic. Those two-colored lenses yeah. are, like, in the comic. Okay. That's, that's there with the with the swastika on them and everything. Yeah. Yep, that's right in the comic. And um, that's what I was... From, and that, so then, then they recast uh, Rasputin again. Yep. So yeah. that was, there was, again, familiarity with that, which was kind of nice. Yeah, and it was, it was neat to see... Like, again, I got to see some stuff that I would never have expected to see in a it's, movie like the the bit where you they talk about hellboy's origins and and recap why he's the king of england basically where where they show and they show like his mother and they show the the, the chains with the hooks on them mm-hmm. and everything like that's from the comics and i never thought i would see that storyline even that even even you know for like a minute i mean right. it's barely in there but i never thought i'd see them like i didn't think they'd put like pictures of the little <laughs> hangy chains with the hooks and everything like that's there are a few things I didn't think we'd I see in a movie not, like that. Right. I didn't think I would see that. And, you know, and I didn't think I'd see the chicken leg house. I didn't think I'd see all this stuff. And, and I'm, I'm really grateful to have gotten to see it. So like, it's not like I'm not, I'm not grateful it's, for the movie. And that's um, the other thing. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's no. just, I just don't think it deserves the shit that it got. Yeah. It deserves a little bit of shit, but not right. all the shit that it got. Right. It does deserve a little love. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, like there are some people who seem to be really enjoying it and good for them. Like I cannot yeah. be one of those people quite, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad for them. Like, I don't have any problem with it. And I'm glad the movie got made. Like, it brought some more attention to the character. Mike got some money. I'm sorry it's not doing very well. But, you know, um, hopefully hopefully that means we'll get a reboot or a different thing or something in a few years. And Or more importantly, people will backtrack to the original source right, and right, look right. into all the the world building that's yeah, gone on. I mean, there's tons of it. I was going to say, that's probably daunting actually for mo- So let me ask you this. What would you recommend initially for a newcomer uh, going into the Hellboy world? Okay. So actually it's like right around this year, which I'm assuming they did running up to the movie actually, but um, it was also the 25th anniversary. So they was doing it partly for that too. I think they released these omnibus editions that are paperback uh-huh. um, collections. They're about like two trades each so there are probably like about 10 issues per omnibus give or take uh the wild hunt storyline that the movie's based on is is in one and it's three trades worth so it's like 16 17 issues or okay. something it's it's a pretty thick one but the, so there's these there's these paperback omnibuses they're pretty cheap 
and they tell the stories in chronological order within the world, not the order they were published in. So oh, that's cool. they start from the beginning and move forward in time. And so like, I think those are probably the best place to start because if you don't know, like if you haven't been reading this silly sure. thing for 20 years, like <laughs> I have, you know, you, you won't know all these like things that are like, Oh, and then this happened and this was a reference to this thing that happened in this other comic, but it got published first and all that, you don't have to deal with all that stuff. It's just chronological order as they happen in the world rather than as they were published. And so I think that's those good. are, I think those are the best place to start. Nice. If you're getting in. And they have those for all the Hellboy titles. And then the BPRD stuff, they're still reprinting. Um, so uh, they'll, they're they're collecting those too, but they're, they're still in process. But that's, that's, I would start with the Hellboy titles and I'd start with those omnibuses. And then from there, you know, you can, dig, I was you can, gonna you say can go down there. a rabbit hole as far as you want to go at that point. But and there's all these like one shots and all kinds of stuff that's come out of it. There's a, there's like a Frankenstein, the, 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 the Frankenstein yeah. monster got his own like five issue arc where he went into the hollow yeah. earth and fought dinosaurs it's rad see and frankenstein <laughs> versus dinosaurs right? that right? sounds fucking, it's fucking sweet. amazing it's super good it's cool. called frankenstein underground it's really good uh, you know last week's <laughs> critters 2 commentary we talked about how you could introduce krites to everything if you can just introduce hellboy into any other scenario you'd get another really like yeah. hellboy and krites like mm-hmm. why don't we have that right yeah i mean um th- there's one story that uh it's a it's a one of those comic stories and it's, it's in the, the short story collection. So in addition to those four omnibuses, they did two short story collections that are the complete short stories that are also in chronological order that they have in the universe. And in one of those is this story that's like three issues long called the crooked man, which is one of the better Hellboy stories. And it's, um, it's based really heavily on Manly Wade Wellman, who was this pulp writer from the thirties and forties who wrote like Appalachian mountain stories. And so uh, his, his, his sort of signature character is this guy named silver John who like had a guitar with silver strings and he went around to towns in the Appalachian mountains and fought monsters basically. <laughs> um, and they're really super good. But um, uh, Mignola was a, a big fan of these Manly Wade Wellman stories and uh, the crooked man is basically his Manly Wade Wellman story. So like, it's just Hellboy. He goes to this house in the Appalachian mountains in like the fifties and like, there's some witches nearby and they're there. Uh, there's this, this crooked man who lives out in the woods. Who's basically the devil and like Hellboy and this other guy go out there into the mountains to go, fight this guy and it's like this very small story like it's hellboy against some witches and this crooked man and there's like one set piece essentially and you could make a movie that would make a great movie like that would make a fantastic movie and and there you go you've got this one nicely contained set piece it's about 90 minutes long like you you know i mean you you could could make a completely cheap good like it would cost so much less than any of the hellboy movies that have been made so far and it would be great and you mentioned it would be a, a ninety-minute movie. This movie did not need to be two hours long. <laughs> and you know what? But it felt really quick because it, it, I think it both did and it did, did not it, need to be right. two it hours long. Like, I, I, it did not use its two hours well. Do you think if it was a three-hour like <laughs> Zack Snyder Watchmen Hellboy's cut, do you think that would maybe like make the movie a little bit like? I honestly don't know. I honestly do not know. See, I don't think I could handle that much more of it. Now, if they could maybe reconstruct it. Right. Potentially, yes, mm-hmm. but I'm still. I just think that's just too much. Yeah, that, at least for me. I didn't say I was going to watch it, but I mean, I thought that might make it a little I, bit more. I think they bit off more than they could chew with this one. Honestly. Yeah, it seems. But like you said, ultimately, we did get another Hellboy movie. Right. Yeah, and more people will hopefully go backwards into that. Now, I wanted to make sure. I and I dug it. 
you know, I was, yeah. I was, I wasn't, I didn't feel like, man, that was two hours of my life. Right. I'll never get back. You know, I was like, oh, it was good. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I mean, and, and I feel spoiled, like complaining about it all because like, I went to see a movie, right? Where this guy it's... like wrestles a vampire and then there's a bunch of monsters later. Why do I like that's That ought to be plenty. <laughs> it's not complaining. It's just right. lamenting that we didn't have more, you know, right. that, and that's the thing. That's ultimately, I think all the promise that it showed and those little bits and pieces that we got, it was good. And it kind of just yeah. gave you that little taste. And then it's just like, Nope, Nope, Nope. We're good. We're it wasn't good. great. Nope. No, it was good. It was, it was great. Good, good, but not great. But speaking of great, um, if you are in the Kansas city area, going to get very regional here. The third Thursday at Screenland Tapcade, where we do nerds and nostalgia. We all just actually participated in the movie trailer trash quiz. And we kicked trivia. its ass. <laughs> that's what we did. Fucking kicked its ass. But make sure you're checking out the podcast. Maybe uh, movie trailer trash. They talk about trailers. They just did John wick three, which I really enjoyed, but yeah, they do. Uh, they do trivia nights. And we actually just did the one for the Cornetto trilogy mm-hmm. of which we actually just hosted yep. the Cornetto Trilogy last week at Screenland Armor. And we got a big bushy beard. <laughs> and, and all and of us. Greg, Greg very generously keeps saying we. I contributed almost nothing to this because I have not seen those movies in several years. You were there in spirit I and you had a question. You were there for, you had one question you knew and that was all we needed. That was all we needed. But That was the, the point that just got tipped us over the scale. It was indeed. But yeah, shout out to them. Make sure you're going and checking that out. We had oh, a good time on that question. one. Question. Yeah. If you, we talked about if somebody was going to get into um, Hellboy, okay? okay? If someone was going to get into Lovecraft, what would you suggest they start with? Uh, like, it's like just books, like they actually read, um, or, I mean, or something in the Cthulhu mythos. Yeah. So like, oh my God, Lovecraft has been collected so many millions of times. Like most of his stuff's in the public domain. Sure. So like any, any jackass, I could go put out a collection <laughs> of his stuff. Um, and Sorry. you know, most jackasses have at this point, like there's a million of them. Um, there's a really good one that Joyce Carol Oates edited. It's like tales of HP Lovecraft. I think it's like, or maybe just HP Lovecraft tales, something like that. And oh, really? it's, it's a pretty, um, it's a, it's a pretty like good solid like these are his some of his better stories a good place to start um and it's got it's got a mike mignola cover actually to tie it back in really yeah nice nice. it's uh Ping, penguin editions put it out and there's like a painting of cthulhu that mignola like a watercolor of cthulhu that mignola did on the cover and uh joyce carol Oates edited it so if you can find that one it's a pretty good place that's... to start there's an american library edition that's a pretty good um kind of core core you know these are the core lovecraft stories and then from there again you can go down that rabbit hole I mean, he only wrote so many but you can go down the rabbit hole like people inspired by him and people reading lovecraft stuff and all this other shit and you can go that out forever but those are those are good places to start reading like actual lovecraft stories and if you want to read like the stories inspired by him or like stuff if you want contemporary authors that are doing this kind of stuff um Ross Lockhart, who is my publisher for several of my collections, so I'm, I'm, you know, his word hoard press, but he put out a couple of books back when he was still working for Nightshade that are called The Book of Cthulhu and The Book of Cthulhu 2, and uh, they're they're pretty good, like, cross-sections of a kind of who is doing this stuff right now, or, or rather were, you know, five years ago or whenever they came out, but, um, and then he, he's done one through word horde it's called cthulhu photography and it's also similar things and i'm oh. I'm, in, I'm in a couple of those so you know well and then ultimately that's the other <laughs> thing where can we find revenge of monsters from the vault oh, so revenge of monsters from the vault for now is only up for pre-order mm-hmm. um through the publisher so it's uh insmith free press like dot com okay basically um or you know just go to my facebook because i'm like obligated to plug it like every day or <laughs> that so is okay until, until pre-orders end which they end at the end of the month so get on it um but then once once the pre-orders in from the publisher then you can order pre-order it from amazon or any other place um the pre-orders from the publisher they're just uh you get kind of little package deals um and uh it it is actually like it's essays about movies yep. um and so it's it's all like classic movies anything 
pre uh like i think 77 is the latest one i do cool hmm. um and i start like the earliest one is 1920 something it's uh, i did there's one silent film in this volume uh it's called the magician it's really good by the way um <laughs> But uh, it's it's like these like thousand or so word essays about I, I just watch a movie and then write my impressions of it and like some some like background about it and that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I go through a bunch of like I tried to get mostly pretty obscure stuff. So there's like a bunch of movies from the 30s. Um, there's a bunch of movies in the 40s. Um, quite a few from the 50s because the 50s is lousy with movies and they're easy <laughs> to get. Like the ones in the 30s, some of them are lost. Like yeah. they've been they've been destroyed or whatever. But like the 50s, most of them are still around. So there's a lot from the 50s, 60s, and then a few from the 70s. Like uh, the Bloodthirsty trilogy from Toho is in there. The Toho's three Dracula movies they made in the 70s. Uh-huh. <laughs> Toho made Dracula. Jesus. These mutants of the night. Listen to them. Jesus. So if you were to pair one of the movies that you did a review with Hellboy for a good pairing, a good double feature, what would it be? Question. That is a good question. <laughs> um, so any silent movie, any silent horror movie, is going to be a pretty good pairing with Hellboy, actually, because Hellboy has a lot of uh, like really expressionistic shadows and things in the comics, especially. Um, so the Magician is the one silent film I do, and it would be a good pairing with it. Um, there's actually a, a movie. I'm trying to remember what it, the fuck it's called. <laughs> um, it's got a it's got a weird name. That's the thing. It's like it's it's hard to remember its name. Um, its name is something like like Condemned to Live, I think, and it's from the 30s, and it's a vampire movie of all things. And like it's really strange, um, and it would it would probably make a good a good pairing. Like it it's it's kind of a vampire movie and kind of not, and like it's 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 very weird. Um, but it's so it's filmed on sets that like they borrowed from Universal's like Bride of Frankenstein, so it looks way more high <laughs> budget than it is because it was filmed for like really cheap. Like they were working at night, you know, they just borrow the sets and work at night and then put them back the next day. <laughs> and so like so like the villages and all the all the really big expensive looking sets that they're just like borrowing really quick and like really quickly doing but it's got it's got uh dwight fry the guy who played renfield in it in dracula oh, movies. so like yeah so like That's... it's it's you know it's it's got borrowed production value from other movies borrowed actors right um but yeah i think it would be a good I, i'm pretty sure condemned to live was the name of it i think yeah. it would be a good from 1935 just looked it up okay yeah yep nice that's perfect man so Number one, thank you so much for coming by, taking the time to talk with us. Like I said, this has been a long time coming. <laughs> um, again, where can our listeners find you out on the social media? Plug the plug the website again for me. Uh, it's orangray.com. Uh, once again, that's O-R-R-I-N-G-R-E-Y. And uh, then same thing on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. So. I'm lucky I have a weird name, which makes it's, it easy for me to get all my handles everywhere. And a great weird <laughs> avatar as well. But, yeah. you know, can't replace actually now knowing you in person, which I'm telling you, it, it was just such a nice thing. Because when you interact initially with people through the, so, through the social media and then the you meet them media. in real life, it's like, oh, well, they, yeah. they exist. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah, the, the skeleton thing was a, was a joke initially and it kind of caught on. And so now <laughs> I'm stuck with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I love it. I love it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't part with it for the world. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's actually. So I don't know if I have time for this, but yeah, um, it's actually ties into Magnolia actually in a weird way. So back way back when there was such a thing as Live Journal, if you remember that at all, uh, I, I, had, I had a Live Journal, and this was before I'd published anything. Um, but my, I, you know, you had little avatars as live journal. No one used photos of themselves, right? You used of pictures of shit you liked, right? So I had a, a drawing that Magnolia had done. 
that was a convention sketch of this little skeleton with like a floating his his skull. He does them all the time now, but their skulls are floating above their heads and they're wearing like fancy clothes. They have like a bow tie and like a collar and everything. I used one of those. And um, I was working with this magazine that's now defunct called The Willows at the time. And I was just helping them out with some of the editorial stuff. And I had a column in there eventually. And they, they did some like pictures of all the people on the staff. And uh, they had a, an artist who I knew um, draw up, you know, the people would send him a picture and she'd draw a portrait of them. And I said, you know, can I use this skeleton thing instead? And they, they said, sure. So I did. And um, I was supposed to send them a bio, but I hate writing bios. And so I was taking a long time. I was dragging my feet. And so Ben, the editor, wrote this bio that was just, uh, Orin Gray's a skeleton who likes yes. monsters. Yes. Yes. And... He wrote that and I was like, no, I'm using that. That's actually way better than anything I would have come up with. So I'm just using that. And so like that has been my bio literally ever since. It's been like 20 years. Like I said, I was fully <laughs> expecting to see a skeleton that likes monsters. Yeah. Oh, that's And so, so like when Mike started doing a bunch of these skullhead drawings, I had to literally, I had to actually ask him like, am I, is it okay if I keep using this? Right. Cause I borrowed it from you. And he's like, oh yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's cool. Um, and then I found that wind up toy at like a Michael's, the, the wind up toy that I use as my picture on like Facebook. Yeah. So I found that at like a Michael's one Halloween and I was like, this is my avatar. I found a toy of me at Michael's of at all Michael's places, of all places, right? Yes. Um, so I bought like three or four of them. So I'd have extras <laughs> just in um, case. So I've got them in a box at home in case one breaks. Um, that's why like, I've got that. And I've just been using that photo of that little wind up toy. Cause it's me. Like it's... I found a toy of my avatar. What the hell? That's bizarre. <laughs> and the, just the, the cosmic, again, the way the occurrences happen, that shit just all yep, serendipitous right? meant to be. If we had to find a toy for us, it'd be behind beaded curtains and shit. Yeah, yeah you, so wouldn't, like, you, you wouldn't want to look behind it. That toy. <laughs> Who ever heard of a Charlie in the box? <laughs> well, speaking of looking into head into the future, uh, starting here in the month of May, we are going to be wandering the wasteland. Yes, all month. the wastelands. We are going to be looking at post-apocalyptic films, but uh, next week we're actually going to be releasing our uh, live Panic Fest mm -hmm. episode, the ill-fated trailer commentary. <laughs> I had a blast. I had a hoot. <laughs> a lot of buffering going on, yeah. so we had a lot of fun. But again, thank you so much, Oren, for coming thank by. You, it, again, me. open invite mm -hmm. at any time, at awesome. any time. Awesome. So, yeah. uh, Final thoughts there, genius? Go see Hellboy. Make up your own mind. You know, whether you dig it or there don't, you, you know? That's the way to do it. So until mm -hmm. until next week, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs>